take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. What a beautiful prayer. What a challenging prayer to really offer ourselves to God, to offer our bodies and our minds and our intellect and our feet and our hands as sweet offerings to God, a living sacrifice. It is our spiritual worship. I like what the late Dallas Willard had to say in connection to that prayer that we just have sung. Uh, when he talks about the Christian life, and see if this resonates with you, he, he talks about how each one of us has a little kingdom. We have this little sphere of influence that is under our control. We make decisions, we create, we mold this little kingdom of ours. And he says that the Christian life, especially as we read in the Gospel of Matthew, is really about taking our little kingdoms and aligning them with God's kingdom and His will and His purpose. And that's really the challenge, isn't it? To surrender our little kingdoms, to surrender our desires, our dreams, our hopes, our behaviors, our sins, our vices, all these things we surrender to the kingdom. And this really takes, for all of us, a lifetime of, of surrender, surrendering to the king. So in thinking about our little kingdoms and how they relate to the kingdom and the prayer we just prayed that God's will be done on, in heaven, as, and on earth as it is in heaven, or to carry Jesus' prayer uh, in the garden. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. All of this comes together in a couple of parables that we're going to work through this morning in the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're returning to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we've been in a series called Stories with Intent, uh, the parables of Jesus, and for those who are new, maybe visiting the first time, uh, parables are these short stories, these expanded analogies that Jesus uses to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God, this, this realm of God's reign in our lives, uh, where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've worked through a lot of different parables, and each one of these parables adds a little texture to what the kingdom of God is all about. It gives us another layer to think about. So, so far in studying the parables, uh, we've looked at the kingdom of God as, as taking care of the weakest among us. The kingdom of God is about seeking the lost. The kingdom of God is about paying attention to the voice of Jesus and what He has to say for His people and following through and obeying, as we heard from the book of James earlier. The kingdom of God is about planting seeds and watching what God does with those seeds and the mysterious growth of the kingdom that belongs really to God's realm. And then last week we talked about the kingdom as being faithful even in the face of evil, knowing that evil is not going to have the last word. It's going to be dealt with one day. And so this morning, we're going back to Matthew chapter 13 in a series of seven or eight parables, depending on how you classify that last parable about the new and the old 
treasure. But this, these two short parables take place just after the one we worked through last week, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, a parable about judgment of evil. But this morning, the two parables we're going to look at, the parable of the hidden treasure and the, par- the parable of the pearl of great value, are about the value of the kingdom, but also the demand of the kingdom. So let's hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. Two short parables. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Well, may God bless the reading of his word. This week I went treasure hunting. I went seeking stories about finding hidden treasure. And I stumbled upon a website that cataloged all these stories of people who who had this treasure right in front of them. They didn't quite realize it at the time. And these stories are fascinating to me. And I wanted to hone in on just one story, uh, but they're too good. So I'm going to share a few of them. So listen to these stories. I have three of them here. In April of 2010, a man named Dave Crisp was using a metal detector to search for hidden objects near Somerset, England. According to Mr. Crisp, his detector gave a funny signal, prompting him to dig through the soil. So he put his hand in, pulled out one bit of clay, and there was a small bronze Roman coin. Initially, Mr. Crisp unearthed 21 coins in the field. However, when he came across the top of a pot, he realized the significance of his find, and he notified the authorities. The authorities did some excavation, and they uncovered a hoard of coins valued at, from pounds to dollars, over $400,000. Not a bad haul. It gets better. In 1989, a Philadelphia financial analyst bought an old painting, a depiction of a country scene for $4 at a flea market in Adamstown, Pennsylvania, mostly because he liked the frame. And when he brought it home, he noticed there was a tear in the canvas, and so he, he fiddled with it, and the frame fell apart in his hands as he attempted to detach the painting But it led him to discover a folded document which appeared to be an old copy of the Declaration of Independence stored between the canvas and its wood backing. And after a friend who collected Civil War memorabilia advised him to go get it appraised, he discovered that it was one of 23 known copies of the Declaration of Independence and only two of them had been privately owned. And he sold it in June of 1991 for $2.42 million off a $4 investment. And then my favorite one. August the 22nd, 2016, a local fisherman in the Philippines strolled into a local tourism office with a giant pearl 
that he'd been keeping under his bed for 10 years as a good luck charm. The man found the pearl 10 years before off the Palawan Islands. His anchor got stuck on what he thought was a rock, but it turned out to be a two-foot-long pearl, which may be worth $100 million. It's on display in the city, but he still owns it. A good luck charm for 10 years. Well, I love these kinds of stories, and there were about 10 more that I could share, but that would be the whole sermon, and uh, we need to get to what we want to talk about. These stories really about two different types of searchers. There are those who stumble upon treasure. There are those who actively are seeking treasure, like the man with the metal detector, Not unlike the two finders of treasures that we find in these parables of Jesus, the man walking in a field, and then the merchant searching for pearls to buy. Two different types of searchers, but the result is the same. And in thinking about these two types of searchers this morning, I want to hone in on two different points for us to chew on, for us to take into our home groups this evening and think about as a word for Brentwood Oaks. And the first point has to do with a theme that's been building in the Gospel of Matthew, and especially in Matthew chapter 13, and that's this theme of hiddenness. And if you want to follow along in Matthew 13, I have two verses to read. If you go back to the parable of the sower in verse 11, when the disciples ask, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them in verse 11 to say to you, the disciples, It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, those outside the circle, it has not been given. So you have this idea of secrecy. And yet on the other side of this, you have this quote of Psalm 78 in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 34. This is Matthew as narrator talking about why Jesus spoke in parables to the crowds. And then he quotes the psalmist. In verse 35, which says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And it's that last quote that really speaks, I think, to the purpose of why Jesus speaks in parables. The parables, these stories, reveal that which has been hidden. And in Matthew 13, it's, The kingdom of God which is being revealed in very powerful ways. The kingdom that is like a hidden treasure. But it's a hidden treasure that wants to be found. It is hidden in plain sight for those who are looking for it. So in thinking about these parables, certainly that second parable of the merchant was looking specifically for pearls of great value. But even the man in the field... We don't know how he found that treasure. Was he digging for it in someone else's field? Was he a servant of the master of that field? Or did he just stumble upon it? However he found it, he had his eyes open to see it. Maybe he saw some dirt that was loose and saw it as a burial ground for some hidden treasure. But he had the eyes to see it. And so this hiddenness in Matthew chapter 13, this hiddenness of the kingdom is not meant to stay hidden. It is not hidden to remain elusive for those who are honestly seeking after it. 
However, the kingdom of God is not going to come to us with pomp and circumstance. It's not going to come to us announcing with blaring music and neon signs. No, it is here, there, and everywhere for those who have their eyes opened. This reminds me of Paul's speech to the people of Athens in Acts chapter 17, right in the heart of Greece. Paul is speaking to a pagan audience, people who are grounded in the philosophies of this world, people who have given themselves over to many different gods. And Paul goes right there to the middle of that that pagan society, and he starts to tell them about the true and the living God. And in one of the most famous speeches in the whole Bible, Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 26, Paul says this, hear these words, talking about God, he says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. God and his kingdom are not far from each one of us. God and his kingdom want to be found. So the first point to consider this morning in this, these two parables is that the kingdom of God is a hidden treasure that wants to be found, and it is there for the taking if we have the eyes to see it. If we're searching for it, it will be found. But the second point, and the one I'll leave us with this morning, really goes to the question, well, well once we find the kingdom, what are we to do with it? Well, that really depends on how much value we attach to the kingdom. Just because we find the kingdom doesn't mean that we recognize the value of this treasure in the field or of this pearl of great value. I think about that uh, Filipino, the Philippine man who was, was there on his bed with that two-foot pearl underneath his bed for good luck. I'm sure he assumed there was some value to that pearl, but he had no idea what it was really worth. And there are countless stories of people who will put up rare paintings in their living area. Or they'll have these rare toys and they'll let their children play with them. They have no idea what the value is of these objects. If they had only known, they wouldn't leave it out in the open. They would hide it away. They would protect it with everything that they had. Well, I think a good conversation partner for us this morning for someone who recognized the kingdom of God, recognized the value of it, but also serves as a good model for us on what we are to do with it once we find it, is the Apostle Paul. Earlier, we talked about how every one of us, we have our own little kingdoms. These little spheres of influence that we exercise control over and before Paul gave himself over as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul had built up quite the little kingdom. In his letter to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul tells his story. Paul was a rising star. Paul went to the best university. 
He studied under the most famous Jewish teacher. He had the pedigree. He had the background. He had the networking. But beyond that, he was extraordinarily talented. He was a man who was going places. Already the Jewish aristocracy was looking to him for leadership. Paul was instrumental in in trying to snuff out this movement that had risen among the Jews of of the Jewish Messiah that had come. They're, They're announcing that the Jewish Messiah had come and he was crucified and he was risen and his name was Jesus of Nazareth. And Paul and the Jewish elite did not buy into that and Paul tried to snuff out that movement. But then on the Damascus road, Paul stumbled upon a treasure. Well, that's not exactly the best way to phrase that. Maybe the better way to phrase that is that on the Damascus road, Paul experienced a mighty clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Paul. And there was this mighty crash. And on the Damascus road, Paul's eyes were opened to the kingship of God and the kingship of of God's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, Paul's little kingdom surrendered to the kingdom. Well, we'll just let Paul state it in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at the end of verse 4. This is what Paul says. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, which was the covenant of the Jewish people, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as garbage. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead." I have suffered the loss of all things, he says, and have counted them rubbish. So here we are this morning, and each one of us here are carrying inside of this place, inside of these walls, we're carrying our own little kingdoms, these little spheres which we exercise control But we also come here having found a treasure. And many of us have found this treasure and we have grabbed a hold of it. 
and we've centered our lives around it. We've hidden it away in our hearts. There are some of us here this morning who have found this treasure, and you're looking at it. You're evaluating it. You're still looking. And that's fine. We are all at different points here in the journey. But the question for us this morning is, do we see the value in the kingdom as this man in the field saw it? Or as this pearl merchant saw it? Or as Paul saw it? Three men, two of them fictitious, one of them real. But especially in thinking about Paul, Paul came to a point where he recognized that the things that we pursue in this world, being the rising star, all the things that were his for the taking in this short life of ours, at the end of the day, a lot of it's garbage. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. During Paul's day, when he went to Ephesus, there was this structure, one of the wonders, ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, a temple dedicated to the fertility goddess, a temple, a temple that was magnificent in its structure, its architecture, it would have been so intimidating to walk into Ephesus and to see this, this building. Do you know what the Temple of Artemis looks like today? It's a field. It's a field with one single column rising up from the ground. Here today, gone tomorrow so this morning as we think about the clash of kingdoms in our own lives the kingdom of God and then our little kingdoms it comes back to the question of who's in charge are we still are we still in charge are we still the ones who are in control of that sin of that vice that temptation are we the ones in control of these life situations that come our way? Are we the ones who are in control of the dreams of the future, the hopes that we have, the way we have everything planned out so nice and neat? This morning, may we hear the word of grace and the word of challenge for the people of God from these two parables, the parable of the man in the field, the parable of the pearl merchant. The kingdom of God is this hidden treasure that wants to be found. And it's there for the taking if we have the eyes to see it. But it is also a kingdom and a king that demands full surrender of our little kingdoms. And that can take a lifetime. But by God's grace, we surrender our little kingdoms to the kingdom of Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord, crucified and risen. The one who told us in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first, above all things, 
Seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things that we worry about will be added to us. It will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom and see what God does with our lives. Are we ready to surrender this morning? Are we ready to continue to surrender even more? This is the invitation we have as we sing this invitation song. If you have parts of your life that uh, you've not surrendered and there's been some chaos that has come into your life, and you need, you need the help of the church to surround you. We are here. We are here to pray with you, whether it's in a public way or in a private way in the chapel following our assembly. We are here to pray for you. We made promises to you as members of this church that we're going to walk by your side. If you've come to faith and you would like to put on Christ in baptism, or if you've done so and you would like to join with us here and join in with what God is doing here among, among us here at Brentwood Oaks, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. 